At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Support for WABE comes from Capital Good Fund, introducing Georgia Bright Solar Lease Program, a new rooftop solar initiative designed to create pathways to equitable and inclusive solar, sustainability, and monthly savings for Georgians. Learn more at georgiabright.org. For Thursday, February the 1st, 2024, it's The Brief from WABE. I'm Jim Burris. McEachern High School in Cobb County is no longer on lockdown. This after two people were shot in the school's parking lot today. The victims are not students, according to county officials. Those shot were transported to local hospitals with non-life-threatening injuries. A spokesperson for the school district says all school students and staff are safe after the incident, crediting the Cobb School's 80 officers, county police, and school administration with responding to the situation. In a statement, Chairwoman Lisa Cupid says police continue to search for the shooter or shooters and investigate the circumstances around the violence. Cupid said counseling services will be available for students who need help processing the shooting. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis has been subpoenaed to testify later this month when a judge weighs whether she should be disqualified from the Georgia election interference case. That's ahead of a court deadline Friday for Willis to respond to allegations of an improper relationship with a special prosecutor that she hired. WABE Sam Greenglass reports. It's been nearly a month since Michael Roman, a co-defendant with former President Trump, accused Willis of a conflict of interest he says should disqualify her from prosecuting him. Many legal experts doubt there are legal grounds to remove Willis, but appeals could still delay or even derail the case given the upcoming election. The subpoenas, which prosecutors are expected to challenge, came to light in a lawsuit from Roman's attorney, alleging noncompliance with open record requests. Willis and the special prosecutor, Nathan Wade, who was also subpoenaed, avoided testifying in a different court this week after Wade reached a temporary settlement in his ongoing divorce. Sam Greenglass, WABE News. The DeKalb County Sheriff's Office has reached a $95,000 settlement for allegedly denying an inmate access to Islamic religious items. WABE Shemaine Cruz reports. Records show 44-year-old Norman Simmons has been detained at the DeKalb County Jail for two and a half years without a conviction. He alleges that during his incarceration, he has faced, quote, relentless and irrational denials for requests such as religious meals and clocks so he and other Muslims could know when to pray and fast. Simmons's attorneys say federal law mandates that prisons and jails take reasonable efforts to accommodate detainees' religious practices, even if it costs them money. Sheriff Stacy Maddox will now hang clocks in every housing unit, provide certified kosher meals to Muslims who request them, allow congressional prayer in the housing units, and authorize outside donations of prayer rugs. Her office did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Shemaine Cruz, WABE News. Non-union employees at Atlanta-based UPS are worried for their jobs. This after the company said it would eliminate thousands of jobs this year. As WABE's Marlon Hyde reports, this comes after UPS posted losses in 2023 compared to the previous year. 
The iconic brown truck company says it will cut 12,000 positions this year to save a billion dollars. In September, UPS Teamsters agreed to a new five-year contract that secure raises and improved benefits for union workers. CEO Carol Tomei said losing customers amid a potential strike during contract negotiations contributed to the lackluster earnings report. Yvette Avery has been delivering packages for the company for almost 20 years. Once the contract was ratified, then uh, certain supervisors started getting notifications that they had 30 days to find another job within UPS somewhere else, or they wouldn't have a, a job at all. She says anybody who's not covered by the contract is fair game. Marlon Hyde, WABE News. A bill to legalize sports betting has passed in the Georgia State Senate with a major surprise. As WABE's Raul Bally reports, the bill now requires a constitutional amendment. The original bill would place sports betting under the Georgia lottery and would not have needed a voter-approved constitutional amendment. But Republican State Senator Bill Kausert of Athens amended Senate Bill 386 to include the need for one. He argues that Georgia voters did not approve sports betting when they voted for the Georgia lottery in 1992. A lot of us feel very, very strongly that it's unconstitutional to try to circumvent the voters uh, to call this a lottery game. So we, I think that's the way to go. And a number of senators would not have supported this bill without that amendment in there. Republican State Senator Clint Dixon of Buford, author of Senate Bill 386, is still hopeful despite the tougher legislative path of needing two-thirds of the votes of lawmakers. With the bipartisan support uh, in the Senate, and, and I believe it will you know, show the same uh, measure in the House, uh, does give me some hope. And also, I mean, we're still, you know, this is the first uh, you know, passage out of the Senate, but we've got to go through the process in the House, and a lot of things can change with a bill. Those changes would likely not include adding horse racing or casino gambling to a referendum. Raul Bally, WABE News, the state capitol. Georgia senators are considering a bill that would grant in-state tuition to refugees and immigrants who helped the U.S. military. WABE's Emily Wu Pearson explains iterations of this bill have been around for a long time, but have yet to pass. Bipartisan groups of Georgia legislators in both the House and the Senate have introduced bills like this before. Advocates are reiterating that refugees and those with special immigrant statuses are highly vetted by the federal government and could help address a lack of skilled professionals to fill jobs in the state. Darlene Lynch is an attorney who works with the Coalition of Refugee Service Agencies. She says people from Afghanistan who helped the U.S. military and people from Ukraine who opposed Russian aggression are two of the groups who would be affected. They are humanitarian parolees and they are students who would like to resume their educations and contribute to Georgia. Federal data shows hundreds of refugees resettle in Georgia every month. Emily Wu Pearson, WABE News. Sales of electric and hybrid light-duty vehicles in Georgia and the rest of the U.S. are on the rise, according to new numbers from the U.S. Energy Information Agency. WABE's Marlon Hyde reports. Electric vehicles and hybrids accounted for over 16 percent of total 2023 U.S. light-duty vehicle sales. James Marlowe is the president of South Face Institute, an Atlanta-based nonprofit that promotes sustainable solutions. He says for Georgia, much of the growth in sales has been felt more in the metro than outside of it. Metro Atlanta has a very high penetration of electric vehicles of all types. Rural America, rural Georgia, has obviously a lower penetration of electric vehicles. They have less chargers. Uh, they're a little bit behind the adoption rate. 
Marlowe says expanding production and charging infrastructure could help increase sales statewide. Marlon Hyde, WABE News. Eight Georgia cities are featured in AAA's Electric Vehicle Road Trip Guide celebrating Black History Month. The guidebook highlights how each city contributed to the civil rights movement and helps drivers find EV charging stations along the way. But as WABE's Julian Virgin reports, communities of color are behind the curve on the EV movement. The EV Road Trip Guide explores 50 historical black history sites in Georgia and South Carolina, like the National Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta, where AAA launched the guidebook. But the Motor Club says black and brown communities represent only 2% of EV buyers, even though communities of color are disproportionately impacted by transportation emissions. Shelly Francis is the co-founder and director of EV Hybrid Noir, an EV consumer group. African Americans are nine times more likely to die from asthma attacks or respiratory illness. Hispanic kids are about four to five times more likely compared to their white counterparts. She says charging deserts and a lack of knowledge of electrical vehicles are stopping more people of color from investing in EVs. In order for people to adopt new technology and transportation, they, they need to see more charging infrastructure in the places and spaces where they frequent. The federal government has provided funding for more charging stations through the Inflation Reduction Act and has offered point-of-sale rebates for electric vehicles. Julian Virgin, WABE News. Atlanta's new women's pro volleyball team is starting out their first season on a winning streak. As WABE's Dormaya Vance reports, the team takes on the San Diego Mojo Friday night for their first home game. The Atlanta Vibe set up shop in the Metro last summer, making them the first pro volleyball team in the city. The team currently ranks one out of seven in the Pro Volleyball Federation. Last week, the Vibe kicked off season history with a three-set win over the Omaha-Nebraska Supernovas. According to the Federation, the matchup set record attendance with a nearly 12,000 fan turnout. Atlanta kept the momentum going in Orlando, Florida, as they defeated the Valkyries three sets to two. The Vibe has plans to hold on to their streak as they prepare for their first home matchup against the San Diego Mojo tonight at Gas South Arena. Darmaya Vance, WABE News. And that does it for The Brief. You can find more local news online at wabe.org. Christopher Alston is our producer. Melissa Fato is our editor. I'm Jim Burris, Amplifying Atlanta. This is 90.1 WABE. From WABE Studios, the podcast where they read stories is a new children's storytelling podcast featuring notable Atlantans and performers reading classic and contemporary children's books. Each episode contains a story meant to entertain, inspire, and inform young listeners. No screens required. The podcast where they read stories features adaptations from both chapter books and picture books. Join us at WABE.org slash stories podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. WABE. Sounds Like ATL is a music documentary series that takes an in-depth look at the artists amplifying Atlanta's famed music community. Built around a desire to highlight Atlanta's diverse and world-renowned music scene, each episode features unforgettable, intimate musical performances by fresh new musical guests, each with exclusive interviews about the stories behind their music. Listen to Sounds Like ATL Saturday evenings at 7 on WABE and WABE.org.